0: Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Yes, welcome back everybody once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 128. Get this microphone adjusted here a little bit. For March 31st, 2018. I'm your host Jack once again, and I'm going to be guiding you into through and back out of the worlds of systems administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. Please check out my website if you have a chance to do so, and that is at tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows. I also did include now these YouTube videos, uh, so if you can't find my channel on YouTube which is 42 2 technoman that's the number 4, the number 2, Technoman, then by all means just go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com, click on the YouTube video link at the top of the page, and all the videos are there, and it also cuts out all of my Photoshop Elements videos that I also teach on YouTube. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, and I wish that you would, you can email me at Corner at gmail.com. You can also email me at jack at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. I did get that email set up this week, so now we have a direct line right into the show. You can also follow me on Twitter, and many of you have, and thank you very much for that. I see the followers are increasing. I don't clog up your Twitter feed by any means, but if there's something exciting in the server world, I may just put that out there to you, and you also get notified when the YouTube videos go up and when shows get posted, and you can follow me there at Technoman, T-E-C-H-N-O-M-A-N. So what kind of week has it been for you? First, let me say tomorrow is Easter. Tomorrow is uh, also April Fool's Day, uh, which is kind of uh, unusual, I guess, or kind of different. But uh, yeah, that, so tomorrow is April Fool's Day. So don't play any uh, jokes, maybe, on your kids. telling them they're going to, you know, maybe letting them know the Easter bunny is coming. But when they wake up, there's no Easter baskets. And uh, that that could be funny for you. Might be a little scary for the children. So we want to be careful on the April Fool's jokes. But anyway, I want to wish everybody a happy Easter uh, coming up tomorrow, and I hope you have a wonderful day and you don't eat too much and get overfilled. So what I want to talk about today, first of all, and I think we discussed this before in the past a couple times, was um, the multifunction printer issues I've been having with these copiers. Um, I guess this is kind of a story for the trenches. I do have one at the end of the show I want to talk to you a little bit about, but this particular issue is just, its I think it's not driving me as bad as what is driving a couple principles that we have. Mainly one principle, I guess, uh, to be exact. And what's happening is, we have an old internal Exchange server. And I'm going to be doing some work on this Exchange server on Tuesday. But the Exchange server is running, but our email addresses have all been moved to G Suite. So we're no longer using that internal email server the only reason it's still functioning and the only reason it's still turned on and and living its uh half dead life is because those copiers are set up to scan to that exchange server and i told you how much trouble i've been having with trying to get the copiers and i know in the past it's been a firmware issue with the copiers the latest firmware on this copier it's a xerox and the latest firmware is 2013 right? It's incredibly old. And I'm thinking the authentication process between that particular copier and say, uh, Google, if I'm trying to send the email out to uh, through our G Suite, which I've tried that. I've also tried sending the email out through our uh, Office 365 account. And that has been a no-go. And then I thought, well, I'm going to figure this out. And I'm going to beat this whole thing. What I decided to do was, Simply take that, and I have my own email servers with one in one. Someone use my own personal email account on one in one, and since it's my own domain, I'll put that in there and send it through there. All three of those have been absolute failures. The only thing I can think of is that the firmware is too old and it doesn't have the most current authentication protocols to uh, do like SSL or I mean, um, is it TSL? I believe the outgoing port was 587. Um, so I, I believe that's probably what it is, and I can't get it through this principal's uh, head. You know, very brilliant man, uh, very smart guy. But when it comes to technology and for us trying to explain it to people, we can't make people quite understand what the issue is. But here's what it's doing. So when you scan, anybody that was working at the school district uh, prior to me changing over to g-suite which was about a year and a half ago when i started at this school district i went in um, and i knew that since all the kids were already using g-suite why was the staff and the administration and the teachers still using the exchange server it just didn't make sense to me and probably what even more so didn't make sense is getting the calls from the superintendent on a saturday night or on a sunday night saying look jack how come my daughter has email, but I can't get my email on my phone? I, I don't like this. I don't know what's going on. So I explained it to her very simply that your daughter's email is being hosted in the cloud. We don't have to worry about the server going down, the power outages that we had at the school district, uh, the Internet dropping at the school district, because it's hosted in the cloud. It's a point to multi point to multi point system, and that's why your daughter always has email. And it was kind of funny because – Uh, Once I told her about that, she goes – and I didn't even have to really persuade her a whole lot. She says, well, Jack, how do we get that cloud-based email? That's very simple. I'm going to move all the administration and staff over to G Suite, which I did. So now what happens is when you scan something, it goes to the old Exchange server. The Exchange server sees a mailbox for uh, XYZ principal, right, XYZ at our domain.com. It's not going to send it off to Gmail It's not going to forward it out. It's going to drop it right into his box. And that's exactly what's happening. So I said, look, this is what's happening. And he said, well, why can't I have it in my Gmail? And I said, well, and I tried to explain the whole thing about the firmware. And you might as well have been talking, you know, um, in ancient Egyptian tongue because it didn't go over too well. But uh, that's the kind of stuff you run into when you're working anywhere. Uh, Even if you're doing consulting work, and you folks know, you walk into a client and you're trying to explain something – and we try to break it down into terminology that people understand. And It was really nice the other day that we had a teacher, we as myself and my partner, had a teacher come up to us and said, look, guys, we really like you because you don't make us feel stupid. And I said, well, wait a minute. You're not. You're, you're educators. You're very smart people. And uh, this teacher goes on to say, yeah, but when you talk to us about technology, you you put it into words and you put it into a um, a, a certain – uh, stance, I guess, or a certain explanation of it working without all the technical jargon. And I said, look, I don't need the technical jargon, right? I, I, You know, it's in our heads, but we don't need to spew that stuff out. So what I'm saying there to you is on that note is don't go out there and try to make yourself look like you're some kind of brilliant genius technologist. And you probably are, but you don't have to portray that to people. Uh, it's much like a doctor in a hospital is when they come into your room and they try to explain to you what's happening to your loved one, they don't go into all the medical terminology because you're not going to understand it anyway. Same kind of deal. So once I explained this to this principal, and I talked in an ancient Egyptian tongue, and he probably didn't understand and probably don't really care why it's not working, he just wants it to work. I want it to work also. So this week I've done some research. I've started looking around for anything Anywhere that you can host this email. But I still think if it's at firmware, if the firmware is not allowing the authentication to go across the Internet to any service, it's not going to work. So <laughs> I actually took one of our copiers and I set it up to uh, SMB folders, right? So I set it up and I found that if I took somebody's Google Drive, this might be something to put in your back pocket in your, tool, in your uh, little technology toolkit. I took the their Google Drive, and if you know now, the Google Drive changed to Google File Stream. So I took the Google File Stream, and I put a folder in there called Scanned. And I thought, well, you know what, we're not using local-based file storage anymore. We're using uh, Google File Stream. And this will even work if you're using uh, OneDrive, if you're using the iCloud, if you're using Dropbox, whatever you're using, this will work. So I went in, I made a folder called Scanned. I right-clicked on it, and I said I want to share that folder, right, on the local network. And when I went to the copier, I was able to say scan to this SMB folder and pointed it right back to that user's folder on their Google Drive. So now when they scan, it goes back somehow through the network, right? It goes out to the Google Drive, and it drops it in that scan folder every single time. It works absolutely great. This is what you get well, it didn't work that way before, and I kind of want it to work like it used to. Well, yeah, right, exactly. You know, if the transmission falls out of your car, you kind of want it to work like it used to work last week. You want to be able to drive it with a good transmission. But these are the things we got to deal with. And so you explain to people that, okay, being we don't have our own email server here no more, uh, that the superintendent wanted it, you know, on Google Suite. you, You always push it off on somebody. Um, somebody of higher power, CEO, CFO, whoever, and we made this change. The local printers aren't going to scan to the email anymore. So now they're just going to simply scan to a folder. You open a folder, there it is. Then I get, well, I used to like to just forward that email. I'm like, come on, really? You can't do one extra step. One extra step. Open a new email, attach the scan document to it, send it on its way. But, again, these are the things we fall into. So what I'm looking for and what I'm asking everybody out there listening to this show is that if anybody has run into this before, maybe, just maybe you can send me an an email or drop me a message or a comment. And, you know, even on the YouTube videos, if you're watching the YouTube video here on YouTube, you can comment on those videos. And let me know maybe if you've ever run into that. And if I possibly – I don't know about upgrading that firmware. We're supposed to get new copiers this year. They keep telling us in June, um, and I'll be telling you something about that here shortly, but they keep telling us in June we're getting new copiers, and if we do that, I I think this will be a a non-problem because then I can scan to pretty much any cloud-based service and be just fine. So that is my email dilemma right now. Uh, The work I'm going to be doing on Exchange Server, I think I'm going to be doing that maybe Monday or Tuesday and i have to do a lot of repair on the database work uh, a lot of back end exchange stuff i'm going to try to repair the database try to see if there's anything corrupted in it because i haven't been able to bring up the mailboxes for uh, like i said a few months but it's it's a non issue because we don't use that server people do log into there for archive messages even though we told them to move them all to google but sometimes people have you know 12 million 475 trillion messages in their in, in their email and and they may just need that message from 1972. Maybe, maybe, maybe you need that email from like 20, uh, you know, or 1995. Uh, really, I doubt it. You probably don't need it. Uh, I've many times, many times at work, I have went in, I clicked the top checkbox on my Google email inbox, and I clicked on delete all. Just get rid of everything. Because if you don't put it into a label or a folder or whatever you want to call it, If you don't put it away, you probably don't need it anyway. So just clean your inbox out and delete it all. Get rid of all that junk. So that is the dilemmas with the email and with the Exchange server. Here is our next big topic today. And this one is pretty huge. And it's a very interesting topic to me. And I think to be honest with you, it's probably because I don't fully understand it. And I love topics I don't understand. And people often come to me and say, Jack, why do you like topics you don't understand? And I said, well, because that's how we learn. If you understood everything that you did all day, you would know nothing new. And you would pretty much dry up as an old fart just knowing what you knew. So I like knowing new things. And the new things that you know kind of make me tilt my head and go, what the heck? That's the stuff that I want to dig into and learn. So I think we talked about it a little bit in the past about the an an SCCM server, uh, Microsoft's uh, System Management Server, for the better lack of terminology or the total terminology. We are trying to, and I mean we actually have a server engineer working with me on this project. And you believe you think, and this guy, this this guy's pretty good, uh, a lot younger than I am. Um, you know, I always call him a little Spitfire because he he has it in him. He, he knows what he's doing. There's no doubt in my mind he knows what he's doing. But he doesn't know what's happening. And that's the interesting part here. And a lot of times I think that's all of us. Because we'll go into a teacher's room and work on something like a smart board, which is an interactive uh, electronic whiteboard, or a projector doing something weird. And Even though we know what we're doing, there's sometimes we just can't figure out what's going on. I think that might be the better terminology. So the SCCM server uh, is not allowing us to boot an image from the network. So we can't re-image from the SCCM server. So in working with our server engineer, uh, again, very smart young man, he said, Jack, why don't we just go ahead? We're going to uh, spin up a brand new SCCM server. And we're part of the ESS agreement. I think it's ESS with Microsoft. And we pay, uh, you know, an extraordinary amount of money every year in our budget. But we can download all the Microsoft tools and packages and use those as we need those. Well, we have lots and lots of licenses. So I said, that's great. I'm going to download um, Microsoft Server 2016. So I downloaded Server 2016 And we installed it. We spun it up, you know, on a brand-new virtual machine. I downloaded the brand-new package of SCCM. And then I downloaded, I believe it's SQL 2016 also. I think it's 2016. So we built a brand-new top-of-the-line system. We gave it all the power it wanted. We gave it all the RAM it wanted. Because we figured if we build a brand-new one from scratch, instead of using the old one that's been there forever and start from, you know, the first install we thought we would probably be better off and then we went to our DHCP server and I have in there I think I have right now 10 different scopes because we have 10 I think it's ten, eight 8 to 10 VLANs so on there I went on and we decided to um, go and put the DHCP it's a DHCP helper address in there that points to your SCCM server So when you go to boot a machine, no matter what IP address you have, you're going to be able to to load an image. So we did that. So I knew that was set up correctly. But we still can't boot this image. Every time we boot the image up, what it does, it goes through and it loads. I think it's called Windows Tiny Windows, Windows Tiny. It's one of those. And I'm sure you folks have seen it out there. And if you haven't, look it up. It's just a very small stripped down installation of Windows you use to it fires it up so it can actually load the image onto the machine. Perfect idea. But when it gets to that point, it goes to reboot like it used to, and it would reboot, and you would see the two lines come up and it would be imaging the machine. Well now it reboots back up to whatever operating system, basically Windows 10, that was on the workstation, you know, the corrupted one or whatever's wrong with it, why we're reimaging, and it won't allow us to go any further. And that, that's that's a real issue. So I went out. I double-checked all the VLAN assignments. I said, look, maybe, well, he told me one. He said, look, Jack, one is getting an IP address of 10 dot something. This other one's getting an IP address of 172 dot something. I said, well, even though both these ports are in the same room, obviously they're on different VLANs. So I went back, and I, I logged into the extreme networking switch, and I took a look at it. And I did a a show VLAN port numbers, I think it is, or numbered ports. Anyway, it shows me what VLANs are on those ports. They were all over the place. I don't know what somebody was thinking when they originally set those up. So what I did, I went in and I did a delete all VLANs. I deleted one through 999 to make sure everything was clear. Once I got that off, I put them only on the server VLAN. So our server VLAN, I know exactly what IP address. I wanted all the IPs for the imaging room to be able to image off the same IP bank. That just kind of made sense to me, and it makes it easier to kind of troubleshoot. So I did that. So I know the VLAN assignments are absolutely correct. And we booted it up. We got back up to the image screen. We got back up. The computer stops. It reboots back into the old Windows. So now <laughs> the, the, the server engineer is sitting there. He's basically scratching his head going, Jack, I don't know what's going on. And I said, well, if you don't, I don't. We um, can't figure it out. We don't know what's going on. So I told my partner, and my partner's, um, let's say she's very uh, young at technology, right? She hasn't been in it as long as most of us have. So thinking outside of that technology box that we all talk about, where a lot of technologists want to sit, and if they didn't learn it in the book, then it probably is not true or didn't happen. But sometimes you have to get out of that box, folks. You have to get out there and explore new possibilities and new ways of doing things. I said, look, partner, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do the old local re-imaging because we have a stack of 20-some laptops now that the kids can't use. We have to get these back into the hands of the clients, right, the kids. So we downloaded a copy the other day of PING, uh, P-I-N-G. And Ping is just that. It's just a standalone imaging software. It actually, uh, if you look at their website, they call themselves the ghost replacement. If you remember ghost, uh, semantic ghost, we used to use that all the time. And they have two different flavors. The one flavor is you pull on a thumb drive or, or a CD, you boot from that. And you have your images on an external drive, and you're going to load those back and forth. Very simple. Many of you have done imaging this way. It's a great way. When I go to clients, uh, when we do any outsized consulting work, we like to, once we get the client's uh, company established and whatever it is, we do like to take a backup of one of their machines. And hopefully all their machines are pretty much standardized across their networks. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you get a couple different flavor of, of computers variations of that. So we'll go out and image a couple of those. And I keep those hard drives here in the office with me just in case they ever call and something gets corrupted or they get a major virus. We always know we can throw an image back on there. So I told her about ping and I said, look, we're going to use this ping. Oh, well, I really want it to work the old way. And I said, look, if you say that, I'm probably going to have to like smack you down. Right. And she says, what do you mean? I said, we get enough of that from the users. You know, where it used to work this way, and now it doesn't work like that anymore. Okay, well, that's life. That's the way life goes. Some mornings, if you go to cook your eggs, and you turn your burner on, and the front burner doesn't work, the one you use every day, you're probably going to turn the back burner on and get your eggs cooked anyway. We have people like that with printing all the time. I like printing to that office right next to me. Well, that printer's broken. Well, I never had to print down a hall before. Well, now you get some exercise. So look at the bright side of things, right? You get to walk a little bit. You get some exercise. There's nothing like getting steps in. But that's the stuff you run into. So I told my partner, you will never tell me that. Don't ever tell me, I don't like it. I like the way it used to be. Because in the technology world, we have to adapt to change faster than anybody else. If you don't believe that, you may still be running Windows Server NT on your network. And you may still be running unmanaged switches, and a flat network. I don't know possibility. So again, be be able to adapt to change. So right now we're in the process of. I told so. You bring me a laptop. I'm going to load it fresh. I downloaded. I think it's. I think it's build seventeen oh nine or seventeen oh six or five. One of those. Anyway, it's the latest build I can download. The latest stable build I can download from uh, the Microsoft Volume Licensing Center. I downloaded that, and I told her, I'm going to install this laptop fresh all the way up. I'm building it all the way up on my own. So that way, I know what is in here. We know it's a nice, clean computer, and then we're going to pull an image from that using Ping. And that's what we're going to be getting into um, this next coming week. And also, Ping, I told you, has another another part of it, another uh, aspect of it. The other part of Ping is the aspect that you can put it on a server, and I'm going to investigate that and pixie boot it now if you've never pixie booted that means we're going to boot through the network and all you got to do on most machines is either when it's booting up tap the delete key or tap the f12 key and the boot menu will come up and if it's there it'll say pix boot and that's network booting so you plug in your network hit hit the enter key and it will go to the server and do all that imaging for you so that's and that's what makes us ccm so nice it just makes it really nice We don't really have to deal with external drives, but reading the PING documentation, we are going to try to save our images to a shared uh, network storage drive. And it says you can do that and restore from it. That will make our life a whole lot easier. All right, this next part I want to talk to you a little bit about is uh, a lot of you out there are consultants. I know that because I listen to a lot of the other podcasts. I know a lot of people talk about consulting work. You know I could do both. I do some consulting work, and I also do work for a company where I am permanently placed into a school district. Now, with that all said, that's all wonderful. But what would you rather have – and when you when you go to work, and I'm going to get to this in a minute. When we were hired, myself and my partner, we were hired basically into a contracted job. And have you? I don't know if you've ever worked a contracted job. Versus a permanent position. A permanent position is you're going to get hired somewhere and there's no end date. We knew going in there was an end date, but we were also told there would be an extension date. Um, oh, don't worry, it's going to be long term. Um, you know, we're going to be here for the next 50 years, and you can retire from this company. And that's great. I thought, well, if I'm working for a company that has many, many, many establishments out there, they would place you somewhere else. That just simply makes sense. So anyway, I was thinking this was going to happen, but now somewhere along the line, this may not happen, and the contract job may be over. So what I'm putting out there to a lot of you out there is maybe um, looking possibly, I guess, into your business or your company, wherever you may work, and I'm just asking uh, for a little bit of assistance if you uh, know of any technology-related uh, positions, that if I may need one, I don't know this yet, uh, either in the Pittsburgh area or the Port Mills, South Carolina area, or even in um, even in uh, North Carolina. Um, what is that down there? I can't remember the area, but um, where are the airport Charlotte, around Charlotte, North Carolina. Anywhere in there, uh, we're looking around, myself and my wife, we could relocate. So if you are a company or if you uh, listen to this podcast and you know of a company out there needing, uh, looking for permanent positions, uh, please maybe pass it on to me. Drop me an email. Or if you're in a company and you need remote services, um, I do a lot of uh, server work and I do a lot of uh, networking work where I can remote in and possibly give you a hand if need to be. I might maybe take some of your services away that you don't want to do. Maybe I can provide a remote service for your company. So it's just stuff I was kicking around. If you know of anything out there, I would greatly appreciate uh, the feedback. Um, I'm just putting it out there just in case uh, at the end of June that we find ourselves needing to go back into deployment or doing more consulting work. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. So be careful of contract jobs, even if it's contract to hire. I think they say that, and then once you, get the, once you get everything done that you wanted to get done or they wanted to get done, they may not hire you. So take your time, right? If you get a contract to hire and they have a project you're working on, draw that project up. If it's two years, draw it out to five. You know, what the heck. At least you know you're working. No, I'm just kidding. I would never do that. All right. With that said, let's move on to the story from the trenches that happened to us last week. And this is interesting. This may not affect everybody. Uh, if you're with the school district, it's probably going to affect you uh, more so than maybe somebody in business. But I think even in business, if they're using the Chrome browser, this is still something you, you may want to sit and listen to or just pay attention to your car as you're driving to work this morning. We have 250 Chromebooks in our school district. Some school districts have 5,000 Chromebooks. Some school districts may even have more than that. The interesting thing about it is that we didn't realize when you're using the the Google suite. Now, the Google suite, there's also a management part to that. If you've never been part of Google or managed a Chromebook before, this is something that if you've ever thought you may be doing this, this is something you need to know about. And what you need to know about is we were using it for a testing session. And the testing session, if you're in Pennsylvania, is called DRC. And I don't know what that stands for, but I do know that it's a standard test that is given every year. It's also the way that they do our PSSA testing in our school district online on the computers. And we were tasked to, first of all, I had to dig deep and find out how to put these Chromebooks in what's called a kiosk mode. Now, the kiosk mode is is key. Because what happens is when the DRC test loads, the testing service says you must make sure that a child cannot use another tab browser, cannot do this and that. They, they can't look up the answers. So the days of computer cheating are gone. So anyway, you put it in kiosk mode. I got all that figured out. I got that worked out. And then when the, when the, the, uh, the Chromebook boots up, the only thing that happens, it loads the test. So it loaded the test up fine, and we were doing okay, and then this message came up on the screen. It says, your version, your operating system version is not supported by this test. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, red flag. Now, we just bought these Chromebooks a year ago. It was actually not even quite a year because it was in June. We put them all together in the carts in July, and we rolled these things out in August when the kids came back to school. So we haven't had them very long. And now you want me to go to the administration and say, whoa, look, well, Chromebooks won't work because uh, they're too old. Well, that's not going to fly. And they're brand new. I think the model is a 33, I'm thinking it's 3350, uh, 3350 Chromebook. They're, They're brand new models when we bought them. They're so new. We're having trouble finding batteries for them. We're having trouble finding screens because they're so new. I thought they should have the newest version on there. So luckily I called the company, the DRC company, and this is something for all of you listening out there, if you're still tuned in, if you have a vendor related issue, if you have an issue with some software, and I had a partner one time and he was a great guy. He was, he was really good at what he did. He was a great technologist, but it was funny so many times where he would be sitting working on a problem for like three or four days. Not I'd have to intervene. I'd be like, hey, you know, we have phone support for that company, and we also have remote support. They'll remote in and see what's wrong with it. I know, I know, but I'm a great technologist. I want to fix it. And that's wonderful being a great technologist. But I think being a great technologist is also knowing when to phone a friend. And if you're paying for support, pick up the phone and call support. So the principal said, well, Jack, what are you going to do with this? This is your issue. He said, you know, pencil and paper never fail. And I said, you're absolutely right. I'm going to go get the paper test and hand those out. He kind of looked at me and turned his head. I said, you know, I'm going to fix it. I said, we are the solution providers. We are the fixers. And I said, I wouldn't have told you to buy these Chromebooks if I can't manage them 100%. And I can. Pretty confident, right? <laughs> so I went into an office. I I had my laptop with me. I opened it up and I called DRC. And I said, look, I said, this is what's happening. This is the message on the screen. He goes, oh, yeah, wait. So I heard him turning pages and knew that he was looking at some kind of a manual, which is fine. You know, if it, I tell all you folks out there, if you're doing any type of uh, support work, create manuals of everything in that business. Whatever you're going to touch, have some kind of manual to refer back to because we look at so many different systems and there's so many different issues. You may just fall flat on your face, right? So be very careful and document. He comes back. He goes, well, yep. What version are you running there? I said, uh, we're running version 54 uh, of the Chromium software is what it runs. Chromium And Chromium. you can play with it. You can download it, load up on a laptop and kind of play with it. Build your own Chromebooks is what you're going to do. We've done that also very successfully. But I said, I'm, we're running Chromium.' He goes, oh, okay. Well, let me see here. You're running version 54? I said, yeah, he goes, yeah, our software won't work with, or our tests won't work with anything under version, I don't know what it was, um, 59. And I'm like, 59? I said, how do, how do you update a Chromebook? Do I have to download the new OS and reinstall all these Chromebooks? I said, that is going to be a disaster. And I'm telling you this because your Chrome browser is running the same version as what that Chromebook is running. Because when we look at Chrome, basically we're looking, I guess, at the version number for the browser because the machine basically runs through the browser, if that makes sense. I know there is a small version of Linux on there, and and that's fine. But you really don't, you can, but you really don't interact with the operating system at all. You're just interacting with the browser. So I said, that's fine. I said, "Um, so how do I update these Chromebooks? He said, well... He said, let me take a look here at my notes. And he went through the notes. He goes, okay, this is what you got to do. Log into the management system. I said, okay, I'm in the management system. Go to software. I said, or go to apps. I said, okay, I'm in apps. All right, click on your organization, which I clicked on the top organization. So that way this will, you know, go all the way down through my org um, uh, subunits. I said, okay, I'm in there. And I set it up and I went through and I said, that's great. And he goes, all right. Now you should see a a, a check mark Now this blows me away with Google. And anybody, if you know anybody from Google, tell them change this default because it's really stupid. Okay, the default is set to never, never push updates to the Chromebooks. I said, well, that is just stupid. You know, we've been having little odd problems here and there, and it never dawned on me that the, the Chromium itself was an old version. It just didn't crossed my mind and i don't know why because we update computers all the time but we never had to update chromebooks they've kind of done it on their own so we thought Uh, so we went in we changed that We, we had a chromebook sitting there we opened the chromebook up and went to settings and then you go to about chrome or about whatever chrome yeah i think it was about chrome so even if you look on your own chrome browser you should see this the current version right now is 65.0.0 point question, question, question mark. It's like a big number. And remember, we were on version 54. So now we had all of our kids open their Chromebooks up, restart them. We allowed this update to be pushed out. And it takes a while because you're talking multiple layers of updates because they've never been updated since we purchased them. And it just never dawned on me. So again, I guess sometimes maybe I don't think outside of that that box I'm in, right? I live in that box. And you know, I knew how to manage the Chromebooks, how to load software on them, how to get the tests working. Never dawned on me about the updating, so there you have it. So now you know that if you have any Chromebooks, or even if somebody's using them in a business, I've seen some businesses buy these things. Uh, I was looking at one the other day an Acer something reconditioned on Amazon, it had 32 gigs of RAM, four gigs of memory, and some sort of seller processor. I don't know which how many what speed it was but it was like 204 bucks i thought i should buy one and the reason i like them is they are super lightweight if you travel with things things we travel a lot on the motorcycle and if we're traveling somewhere on the motorcycle and i break it or it falls off if if my macbook air falls off or if you have a surface pro or a surface uh, uh surface pro laptop and that falls off you're losing 12 1300 bucks If you lose a Chromebook, you're losing, what, a couple hundred bucks. Uh, Not that bad of a deal. So still thinking about that. Still running it through my head thinking, is that a good idea? But you will find people that buy those just to be able to have something lightweight to type on, to do things, to take the meetings. And, you know, they're not bad. Just make sure it is up to date. Folks, I want to thank everybody so much for listening, downloading, and subscribing to these shows. Uh, I really enjoy doing this uh, podcast each uh, Saturday and uh, putting it out there to you, it, it always brings me back. And it also, uh, not only do I get to pay it forward, hopefully this week you guys out there listening can pay it forward and let me know um, about some of the stuff with this email server, with this email problem I'm having and with SCCM. Maybe you've seen it before. Uh, the biggest thing with being a technologist, I believe, and I, I've known this for years, is reaching out to other technologists. Get into any forum group you can get into. Get into any kind of email list or or someplace where you can ask a question because if it's happening to you, I guarantee it's happened to somebody else out there. And that is why a lot of us podcasters do this. We want to share our experiences so maybe it can help you not pull your hair out because we've already pulled most of ours out. Folks, again, I will uh, really, like I said, I enjoy doing this. Thanks for downloading and subscribing to the show. Uh, If you're watching the YouTube video, please click the thumbs up button. Give that an old smash. I do appreciate that. Um, And you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Not a bad deal. You will get some videos coming. I don't know if you can subscribe. If you can subscribe to the playlist, I think that would be wonderful. I don't know if you can. Check that out because then when I post these shows, you'll get notified just of that particular uh, video without hearing about the Photoshop Elements videos that I do, uh, that part of training um, on my YouTube channel. And don't, no, don't remember? No, please remember, if you buy anything from Amazon, anything, go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com and click on that link, um, the Amazon support link. What I usually tell people to do is put the stuff in your cart and have it all ready to go. Go back to my site, click that link, it'll take you right back to Amazon, you click checkout, you're good to go. Everything will be just fine. Uh, You could even save that link in your favorites and and call it, you know, um, Tips from the Server of Amazon, if you wish. That's fine also. I do appreciate that. Like I said, you're going to pay the exact same price anyway, and a few pennies come back to the show uh, in case we need any kind of equipment or hosting fees. And that always seems to be going up every year, these hosting fees. It's just getting, it gets crazy how much I pay one and one for hosting every single year. And really, really, I think they charge me every three months. But, you know, if you're paying hosting fees, you know how they've been going up also. Uh, Sometimes you might want to become like the Clintons and just put a server in your house and just have your own server. I mean, there's a lot of problems with that I can see coming up. But, hey, if you can host your own email, by golly, host your own email. It never hurts, right? Just don't run for office. That's all I'll say about that. Hey, take care, everybody. Thank you so much. And uh, if you're using the the feeder feed, um, uh, the feed burner feed on the uh, Tips on the server site, by all means, please keep doing that. You can also catch us on TuneIn, TuneIn Radio. You can listen to us there, and you can also find us on iTunes. So uh, the show is growing. It's kind of all over the place. And I told you a few weeks ago, it is even on the Echo. Just say... Um, just say, uh, Alexa, play podcast tips from the server room. And when you say, if you don't say podcast, she tries to play a music. She looks for a song. If you say podcast, she goes right out and finds it and starts playing the newest episodes. Really super cool. And uh I don't know how many podcasts are on there already, but you have to apply and get accepted with tune in. So that's pretty cool that they're actually putting that across there now. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. And hopefully it's going to be getting warmer in your part of the world and you can start enjoying the outdoors a little bit. Uh, Take care, and I'll talk to you next time. See you from Tips from the Server Room. Bye for now. You just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long.